welcome to ADRA Insider. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your interest in the projects of ADRA Canada as we work to relieve the suffering of people in need around the world. I just wanted to give a brief introduction to our video broadcast today and let you know that uh, while it may not look like it, here at ADRA Canada, we are following all of the recommendations uh, from the Canadian government about keeping our social distance <laughs> during this global pandemic that uh, we're all facing today. The program that you're about to see was actually recorded back in the first week of January, and it is only now that we have had the opportunity to edit the program and share it with you. And so as you see the four of us sitting around this table, it may seem as though those people at ADRA Canada, they're not uh, following the recommendations. But actually, we have uh, at ADRA Canada, all the staff are now working from their homes. And in fact, this studio is actually a studio that I have set up inside my home. And uh, it uh, is allowing us to keep in touch with our supporters, with our constituents through the medium of video. And uh, so I just wanted to let you know that as you view our program today, just know that it was recorded back in the first week of January and that uh, ADRA Canada is keeping the world safe by working from home. And so now I invite you to enjoy the video podcast we have prepared for you on a project that ADRA is conducting in the country of Rwanda. The Promise Project. So welcome again to the ADRA Canada Insider Podcast. Uh, if you were with us on our last episode, we traveled to Kenya, and today we're also going to go to Africa again to Rwanda. So I'd like us to go around the table and introduce ourselves, and we can begin with our newest guest. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Anthony DeRosha. I'm currently serving as a senior advisor on the Embrace Project, which is running uh, in Rwanda alongside other countries. Mm. And I'm Steve Matthews. I'm the Executive Director for ADRA Canada. Welcome back, Steve. Thank you. And I'm Frank Spangler, um, Media Specialist at ADRA Canada. So I understand that we have two projects that are running in Rwanda right now. One is called the Promise Project. Promise Project. And one is called the Embrace Project, which is the one that Anthony are most involved with. But maybe we'll start with the Promise Project today. Frank, can you give us a little background on where that project is operating and what it's doing? Yes, Promise is in what would be considered the driest region of Rwanda. Mm -hmm. And so it has unique challenges. Actually, ADRA Canada has been working in this part of Rwanda for many years, starting, I would say, shortly after the end of the genocide in 1994. ADRA began working here in partnership with the new government of Rwanda, with the help of the uh, Canadian government, ADRA Canada entered this area and uh, began to help the families that were returning from other countries. Mm -hmm. Many families had been living in other countries for safety reasons for many years, and now they were returning to Rwanda. The problem was they had no land to settle on. And uh, so this dry region of Rwanda was opened up. Uh, land was divided so that uh, each family could have a small plot of land to grow food. Mm. And uh, with funding from Canada, ADRA built homes for the people. They built 
water systems, they built hospitals for the communities, and uh, schools for the children. Mm. One of the reasons why this part of Rwanda was so sparsely settled was because many of the valleys were quite swampy. Well, with some technical assistance from Canada, we were able to turn those swamps into beautiful rice fields. And uh, I had the opportunity of visiting these communities a couple of times. And it was just so wonderful to talk to the people and uh, have them share their appreciation to Canada for helping them get their community off the ground with all of these services. Now, that was in the 90s, but over the years, ADRA has continued to build on that project. And I think that's one of the things that I like the most about ADRA is that we don't just come in for a visit and spend you know, a month or two building a school and then disappear. We uh, come in with a project and uh, we stay for two or three years, but then we also build on that project in many cases and uh, come in with a a follow-up program that builds on the first one. And uh, that way we're, we're not leaving the community high and dry. And so, for example, we introduced uh, what we called the LEAF project here in this part of Rwanda, where we encouraged people to plant a lot of trees. It was a, a kind of a reforestation project. But it also included, you know, the planting of fruit trees and other kinds of trees, Introducing concepts of agroforestry, you know, mixing the growing of fruits, vegetables, and trees all together. ADRA helped villages set up small co-ops where, uh, with some agricultural instruction and uh, some drought-resistant seeds and some tools, groups set up large community gardens where people could not only uh, use the vegetables to feed their families, but also have lots left over to sell to the uh, people in Kigali for income. ADRA went uh, also into the driest parts of the province and taught people how they could extend their growing season by using permaculture methods, such as uh, buried clay pots that uh, slowly release moisture to the roots of their vegetables. ADRA taught the people how to grow nutritious plants that actually love the dry zones and uh, how to prepare and preserve those foods so that they will have enough to eat right through the dry season. And that brings us to our current project, the uh, Promise Project. Promise, which I think is a wonderful name for a project, Promise was originally designed as a mother and child health project where we were teaching women who were of maternal age how to have a safe pregnancy, how to go into the health clinics for regular checkups, how to eat nutritious food while you're pregnant, and then how to care for the baby when it's first born. And as it developed, we found that it grew into much more than just mother-child health. Mm. 
the men of the community saw how much the women were learning in their groups, and they wanted groups. <laughs> uh, so there was men's groups, and then there would be youth groups that started out of that, and it developed uh, uh, also into a group for unwed mothers. And so it has just kind of mushroomed into many aspects that has been so helpful for the for the community. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, some partners on this project. We are working together with two other faith-based organizations. We have the Christian Children's Fund, uh, or now actually uh, they've changed their name to Children Believe, and also Emmanuel International. And working together with these partners and funding from the Canadian government, we have been able to bring a lot of instruction and uh, food security to a lot of people in this dry region of Rwanda. So in the women's groups, you mentioned they were learning about how to have safe and healthy pregnancies to go do their their prenatal checkups and then how to care for the baby after it's born. If the men wanted to have groups, what were they learning? Did you get to see any men's groups while you were there? Yeah, so when I was there, the men's groups were really interesting because they were talking about how much their lives have changed for the better because they've become part of the these groups. Hmm. What I liked about the men's groups is that you show up and first off a little bit about them is there's a group of men that came together and facilitated with ADRA. But then after the men started seeing the positive changes in their lives, they started going out and getting other men and hmm. bringing them in. So it, it went beyond just what ADRA was doing to the point that they bought into it so much that, hey, guys, you got to come and learn about this stuff because it's making our lives better. So the men were learning similar type of things, though, in that you know the man does have a role to play in raising their child. Mm-hmm. It's not just something for the woman to do. Um, one of them was telling me they they used to maybe they'd go into the field for a couple hours to help out. By by noon they'd go drinking for the rest of the day. They'd come home drunk at night. They'd spend all the family's money. The there was nothing for the leftover for the the children and the mother. So malnourishment was really a, a real problem in this area because men just spend all the money mm. uh, on alcohol. So now, I mean, one of the one of the men, he was standing there. He had his arm wrapped around his wife, and just this big smile on his face. And he said, "You know, my life is so much better. My wife is happier. Um, we go to church now. I don't drink anymore. These are the types of changes that they were talking about that they were were seeing in in their lives. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, I I mentioned in the in our last podcast about uh, from Kenya about being welcomed with song and dance." The men's group welcomed me with song and dance, which was uh, which was quite interesting as well to see. That. Anita was telling us how in Africa, information is transferred through song, dance, and skits. Mm-hmm. And what I enjoyed seeing was the men, on their own initiative, had come up with skits that illustrated the the main principles of ADRA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so through the skits, they were passing on information to maybe other men and other villages and communities that hadn't joined the project. But they were spreading the ADRA message yeah. through their skits and singing and dancing. Yeah. Because it was all a men's group, they wanted to show women in the skits, so the men were dressing up as women. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> a few of the topics that they would cover in these meetings would be, for instance, essential nutrition acts for children. Hmm. So it's important for men to understand the requirements both of their pregnant wives and their breastfeeding wives, but also their newborn children and their breastfeeding children. 
Uh, it's not enough for the women just to know that we need to exclusively breastfeed babies for six months, but the men need to know those kinds of that, that kind of information as well, mm-hmm. um, just for a more holistic community involved type of learning. So mm-hmm. th- those kinds of issues and those kinds of that kind of knowledge is, is, is what a lot of um, these men's groups and women's groups are aimed at raising awareness about. So Anthony, you're talking about how the men are also learning about the nutritional needs of their their wives and their children, and they find that relevant to them because we're talking about men who seem to come from a society that are pretty hands off of things in the household. How do how does it become relevant to them that they get so excited about it? I mean, the the, the culture over there does dictate that the men is the the head of the home. If your family is not succeeding, then you're not succeeding as the head of that household. So mm-hmm. it, it, that's kind of the you know that's kind of the view that they're coming from. Um, so there is quite a there is quite a lot of motivation from the men to to be involved about you know what's going on with their newborns and what's going on with their breastfeeding or pregnant wives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Okay. So we mentioned that there were a couple of different groups that have come out of this project. There's the women's group, which was there originally, and then the men's group, youth groups, and an unwed mothers group. Can you tell us a little bit more about what might have been going on in an unwed mothers group? Yeah. So the unwed mothers group, we got to to meet these young ladies who were all there. Um, they all had their their young children with them and the the way that this community typically would deal with an unwed mother is uh, when these young ladies became pregnant they'd actually be forced out of the community the challenge is that a lot of these young women become pregnant because of the economic situation in the community they're being promised I'll pay for your education I'll provide you with food if you'll be with me. Mm-hmm. When they become pregnant, the man disappears. And nobody knows who the man is. Mm-hmm. So he just disappears, and now this young woman is there left to herself. They all had to drop out of school. I asked them, how many of you is the father involved in your relationship? Not one of them had the father even involved with the children. And I asked, you know, how many of you would want to go to school? And every one of them said they want to go to school. And I asked them, how many of you are in school? And none of them are in school. Mm-hmm. So this is the this is what we're trying to get to, is to get to a point where they can actually be reintegrated back into school mm-hmm. as well. And, and through the support network, that's kind of one of the goals. So it was it was interesting to be able to get to meet these young women because they did retell how it has changed their lives because they no longer feel like outcasts Mm -hmm. in their community they do feel a part of the community and they're they're no longer looked down upon the way that they would be before our project was there Mm -hmm. yeah one of them was telling me she now can walk down the road with pride holding her baby yeah and uh, that's the change she can now go to church and feel comfortable going to church with her baby. Yeah, it's very, very good to, to be able to hear those things. Mm-hmm. Anthony was just talking about the importance of nutrition as well. And this being in a, a dry area of the country, they're not able to grow uh, multiple rounds of crops throughout the year because part of the year was, was too dry to be able to grow. So we've taught them techniques of how to have their own kitchen gardens. Mm-hmm. So we got to visit kitchen gardens along the way. These gardens are just filled with food. Mm-hmm. and different varieties of food as well. When we were there, we, we got to visit a kitchen garden, but then they said, well, we're going to go. So they had taken what they learned from the kitchen garden, and they had planted tree tomatoes, mm-hmm. and they had a couple of hectares 
of tree tomatoes that they've now turned into a business. So it's five people in the community that have created this business where they're growing tree tomatoes. So we're standing in this tree farm, and the, the trees are, they, they've got to be 10 or 12 feet tall. Mm. And I asked how, how long have the, these been planted, and they said it was about a year, year and a half that they had been planted. These trees are, yeah. are big, t- yeah, tall trees. <clears throat> so they, they went and picked one off the tree, and they gave it to me, and, and, and they said, well, here, eat it. And I'm looking at this thing like, I don't know how to eat this. <laughs> yeah, what, and, what is a tree tomato? <laughs> so a tree tomato is they're they're a bit more green but i would almost term them between a cross between a, a cherry and a tomato is what it seemed to me mm-hmm. it had a, an outer flesh that was a little more firm than a tomato that we would typically get here in canada um but the inside was juicy and sweet it was a really, really nice tasting fruit. fruit. Yeah. Well, our off-camera gentleman, Michael Kirkby, just informed us that they're also known as tamarillos, and you can buy them in Canada. So after you watch this podcast, run to the grocery store and get some tamarillos and taste <laughs> what Steve is sharing with us right now. Absolutely, because it was, it was quite, uh, quite tasty. Mm-hmm. But as I'm standing there looking at this thing, one of them looked and said, you're in Africa, you're going to eat like an African. This is how you do it. <laughs> and they bit the end off of it, and then you could get all the flesh out of it. Uh, mm. while Just kind of squeeze it. Squeeze it, it, squeeze it into your mouth. So yeah. it, was, uh, it was quite funny. They, they all thought it was really funny to see this white guy standing there not knowing what, how to eat this thing that they all eat. And uh, So that was, uh, it was a good experience to be able to, to go through that. But they were telling us, They've turned that into an income. Mm-hmm. This community is about an hour and a half drive from Kigali, but they sell to the markets in Kigali now because they, they've produced this income uh, from the firm. Mm-hmm. And the project didn't set out to teach them how to do that. They set out to teach them the kitchen gardens, and then on their own they said, oh, look what we can do with this, and exactly. grew it on their own. That's really fantastic. You know, when you think of the gift catalog that we have at ADRA, mm-hmm. the ADRA gift catalog, you can buy a fruit tree. Mm-hmm. And these these are the trees. Like the this is what they're able to do with giving them a few fruit trees. They're able to take that and turn it into an actual farm. Mm-hmm. So it was really neat to be able to be there and see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One other thing that we got to participate in was a goat exchange. Goat exchange. Goat exchange. Okay. So when you look in our gift catalog, this is the part that I really liked about going to Rwanda. Is it brought the gifts from the gift catalog alive to me because hmm. I was able to go and see, oh, this is, this is real. Like This is something that you can see the benefit. Mm-hmm. So the way they've done it is that those who are beneficiaries from the Adra Project, they, they were given a goat. But as the goats grow and they reproduce, now what they've done is it's kind of like paying it forward where once they have an adult goat, they will exchange, they will pass that goat on to somebody else who didn't get a goat from the Adra project. Hmm. So we were there to, to, to watch this goat exchange where they were passing the goat over to their neighbors. Mm-hmm. It was really neat to be able to be there and, and, and see that yeah, sure. take place. They've already well. had a few kids already. Right. <clears throat> so they, they weren't giving everything away, but it helped to spread the, the benefit of the project to many, many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- this is the thing that I liked a bit is when you think about our you know, we typically report on our direct beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. So last year, we see, you know, in, in 20, 2018, we had 814,000 direct beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't count the number of indirect beneficiaries that come from our projects mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that's it for our video podcast today. I want to thank you for joining us and uh, finding out more about our Promise Project in the country of Rwanda. I know it may seem as though it kind of came to an abrupt close there without a a sign-off from our group. Uh, What happened was when we sat down to record this podcast back in the first week of January, we actually were including two projects in the country of Rwanda, the Promise Project and the Embrace Project. And our original intent was just to have that as one video program, but there were so many exciting things to share in that report that uh, it went too long for one podcast. And so we have broken it down the middle. And uh, in our next podcast that we release, we will be sharing the rest of the story about our work in Rwanda, uh, all about the Embrace Project. So be sure to come back and uh, join us for that episode as well. For now, I want to thank you for your your interest in the work of ADRA and uh, say so long for now. 